Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions midweek podcast, where we bring you more Lions content with a special guest. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the editor-in-chief over at Pride of Detroit. With me to my left is uh, editor-in-chief, or editor-in-chief, I just I just gave you a promotion, apparently, senior editor of Pride of Detroit, uh, at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Ryan Matthews is here. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, blackjack, no tradebacks. Thank you. I run the <laughs> website now. Uh, I'm doing fine, man, but let's, uh, let's get into our... Uh, our awesome awesome guest that we have today yeah let's not waste any time here he spent 10 years in the nfl six with the lions named pro bowl second team all pro and he's now the co-host of the believe in lions podcast glover quinn is here glover thank you so much for making some time buddy oh man no problem man thank you guys for having me no problem at all it's it's our honor i i promise you that um (laughs) let's let's uh let's start with just kind of life uh beyond the nfl You've, you've been out of the year the league for a few years now what have you been up to? What what's life like? Oh man, I've been um uh, I've been enjoying myself. You know, I've been I got into a new hobby and I'm actually enjoying it and probably probably you know, I don't know. I might want to do something with it at some point. Um I got into photography. Okay. My kids are, you know, athletes and so I used to always record their stuff. And so I got to the point when I retired and I had time, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I want to know how to do it the right way. I want to know how to edit. I want to know how to take photos. I want to know how to do videos. And, you know, my kids were young. So I'm like, I got plenty of hopefully sporting events, birthday parties, school events, just things where knowing how to take photos and videos is, is would be cool to have. And so I kind of got into it and it's been, it's been such a journey um, because there's so much into it. Most people think it's just picking up a camera and taking a photo and yeah, you can do that. But as we know with everything, there's levels, right? So mm-hmm. um, learning all the intricate details of what go into taking a photo and editing a photo and doing all those different things. So it's a new challenge for me. It's been fun. It's been cool. And so I just kind of enjoy that and, you know, hanging out with the kiddos and just living life. Glover Quinn, multimedia specialist, I think uh, is something you can add to your resume. Um, but no speak, speak, speaking of, uh, you know, entering into new hobbies, uh, working with this Believe in Lions podcast, like what made you want to, you know, get into podcasting and, and why are you so interested in, in maybe covering the Lions uh, specifically? Well, you know, I played for the Lions. Um, and so I've, when it, I've heard, man. So I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and when, when it comes to podcasting, you know, I mean, I, just, I like to talk, you know, I like to talk and I feel like, you know, there's things that I know about the game, about the insides, parts of the game. I, I was blessed to be able to play the game for a lot of years. Um, and so my experience, I can speak of that. I When I played, I had an ability to to learn and teach and help. And so being able to give that to the fans from a different perspective, um, you know, a couple of years back during COVID, I had kind of started doing uh my own little podcast type of thing the db room where i really wanted to teach fans just basic football stuff you know what i'm saying just you know nothing super advanced but just understanding the basic things of football for an average fan so when you're watching the game your experience is that much better because you understand what the analysts are talking about when they're saying cover two and cover four and post routes and flag routes or corner routes or out routes or, you know, all these different concepts that 
we take for granted as players and analysts because it comes second nature to us because that's what we did for so long. But for the average fan, for people that's learning the game, they may not know all those different things. And so I was just like, you know what, man? I want to just teach the game to average people, just regular people. And so I started doing that. And then, you know, I get I get asked all the time if I'm going to bring my, my the DB Room podcast back. And I might. It just it took a lot of time for me. And I was a one-man band. So you know how it is when you're editing and, you know, filming and putting the shows together and trying to get guests and trying to do social media and this and that. Like, it just was a, it was a lot at the time. And so I kind of had to put it on pause. And I just never... I just never picked it back up. So when I got the opportunity to 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 be a part of this one to where, you know, I get to get to be on a podcast. I don't have to edit it. I don't have to, <laughs> you know, do all those things. I just kind of get to yeah. co-host and and you know bring some different insight and different personality to it. So I, I thought it was a cool thing. And like I said, I play for the Lions. I love the uh the Lions, the Detroit community. And so cool way for me to stay involved with the team and, and the community and the city. And so it it, it worked out. Well then, let's let's kind of get into your thoughts on this current Lions team because I, I feel like it's it's an exciting time for fans. There's certainly a, a level of an excitement that I don't know if we've seen since maybe I don't know the 2016, 20, 2011 season. If we want to go all the way back there, so let, let's start with the regime um, because they seem to kind of be the headline of everything. So um, you know, I, I know you were down at training camp a couple of weeks ago. What what was kind of your your sense of this Lions culture? Did it feel special to you? Yeah, I mean, the culture felt great. It felt like you know what you will want the winning culture to feel like the coaches were great. The players were excited. They were great. The, the feeling around the building and the cafeteria, just in the locker room, everything felt relaxed. Like it should be like, I mean, we spent a lot of time at the facility, you know, we're there 12, 10, 12, 14, 16 hours, you know, so you want that place to feel sacred. You want it to feel like home. You want to feel comfortable there. You want to feel, you know, like you want to go there. You don't want it to be a place where you dread going to. You don't want it to be a place where you can't be yourself. You can't be comfortable and, you know, be you. And so the building definitely felt like that. So I think those coaches have came in and, and do, done a great job of getting it back to that. You know, it was that, you know, for for a lot of years when Coach Caldwell was there and then it kind of took a dip with uh with Coach Patricia and now, you know, Coach Campbell is doing a great job of getting it back to that. And you hear from some of the younger players, that that's what they're saying because yeah. some of those, you know, guys, you know, they came in with Coach Patricia and now they're experiencing Coach Campbell. So when you come in as a rookie, that's that's all you know, right? You don't know any other way in the NFL. You know what you, what you had in college, but you don't know any other way in the NFL. So you assume that that's how it's supposed to be. And then you get to experience a different coach. And now you're like, hold on, this is different. Oh, this is fun. This is what, oh, this is what I thought the NFL was like. Yeah, it's hard, but I mean, we got to have fun too, right? I mean, the game is hard enough. So we got to make sure that when we're not playing the game, we're still human beings and we can have fun. Yeah, so I mean, all all of that that you just kind of hit on, Glover, like really hits home with I think a, a lot that's going on in Detroit right now with with the current regime. And you know, uh, you you were down at training camp a couple of weeks ago, so like I, I guess the question I have for you is like, do you think that the culture is as good as it's being advertised? Like we see it on Hard Knocks, we're getting an awful lot of you know information coming out from Allen Park and things like that. And and just a piggyback question, like 
and I think you answered it a little bit, but like how important is it for the culture to be where it needs to be in order for a team to be successful ultimately in wins and losses? Cause we know that's how you measure a team. Right. I mean, I, I think, I think the culture is as good as advertised. You know, I, I think those guys are the coaching staff. I think they're authentic in, in what they're doing. I mean, you got a bunch of former players, right? So when you have a bunch of former players, you're going to have a bunch of personality, right? You're going to have a bunch of guys that's, that's, that's been on that practice field. They understand they're highly competitive. Like those, those old juices are going to come out. So you see that a lot with coach Aaron and, and, and coach Staley and those guys, but you got a lot of guys that are former players. That's, that's a part of that staff. So I think the players are feeding off that. I think when you, when you allow guys to be themselves, then you're going to have fun. Right. And this is the time to have fun, right? Everything that we've been seeing is off season stuff, right? OTAs, training camp, all that stuff is off season. So it gets back to what you said. Everything comes down to winning. You know what I'm saying? You can create this environment, but it got to translate into wins. Your guys still got to put in the work. You got to be able to understand and separate when it's time to play and when it's time to work. And when it's time to go to work, we got to go to work. We can't be playing when it's time to go to work because if we're playing when it's time to go to work, we're not going to get the results that we want. Right. So a lot of times that come with having a mature team, having veteran leaders, guys that know how to shift the the atmosphere in the locker room and on the practice field. And so hopefully, yes, those guys can be themselves. Those guys can be relaxed. They can be comfortable and, 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 and do all those things, but that has to translate into understanding the scheme, understanding the game plan, understanding, hey, this is the task at hand and we're going out here to win this game and then we're going to win this game and then we're going to get back to having a good time. Right. Uh, I'm just kind of curious, who who did you kind of walk into and, and, and talk with when you were down there in training camp? Oh, everybody, yeah. you know, everybody um, from, I mean, I, I, you know, I really wanted to see the DBs. Obviously, I, mm-hmm. you know, I played with one of them, played with Tracy. Sure. So I wanted to check in with Tracy, but I wanted to, to you know, meet the, you know, coach. Um, you know, I know Coach Aaron from my time in Houston. So I wanted to catch up with him. I met Coach Campbell for the first time. Um, but yeah, just the staff, people around the building, you know, I love, I love the people around the building. So seeing some of the you know, people that worked with me in the cafeteria were still there, seeing, you know, people in the training room, the whole training staff is still there, mm-hmm. seeing the strength coach, like seeing some of those people that, you know, really, really, really had a huge part in my success and my time there. Um, people that did so much for me off the field, um, helping me to be the best player that I could be. Like I said, from training room to media room to, you know, equipment room, staff, like everybody that plays a major role in allowing you to be able to go out and play, right? Those are the people that don't really get enough credit. And so I definitely want to go by and, and say thank you to those guys for everything they've done for me. And just as that, you know, I was glad to see those guys, you know, they were, you know, it was a great time and, you know, just walking through the locker room, seeing some of the new guys, meeting some of them, you know, had talked to a lot of them over social media, over the phone, but getting to meet some of those guys in person for the first time was cool as well. You you mentioned Aaron Glenn and, and your guys' previous relationship. And I mean, he's been kind of a rock star around our parts. You know, we, we've been a fan since the hiring. Can you, can you maybe put into words what makes someone like him so special? Well, I mean, the thing about it, you know, when you have a guy that played, 
And, you know, everybody thinks just because you play, you can coach. That's not necessarily true. So when you have a guy that played, but then they understand how to coach, right? And they, they and they've came up through the ranks and they've had success everywhere they went. When you carry yourself a certain way, you can demand a certain type of respect from your guys. And when you got when you have that respect from your guys, they want to play harder for you, right? Yeah, we go out there and we play for ourselves. We play for our family. We play for the names on the back of our jerseys, the front of our jerseys. You play for your teammates, right? But it's a lot different when you when you play for your coach as well, right? And that's when you hear the term a lot of times when it comes to head coaches that they've lost the locker room or things like that. Right now, they feel like the players aren't listening to the coach. They're not really playing hard for the coach. They don't really respect the coach. You don't want that. That is not a winning environment, not a winning atmosphere at all. But when players respect the coach, they feel like the coach has their best interests in mind. The coach is not trying to screw me. He's actually trying to help me. And he has a resume of somebody that has done it. So he's not a guy that's just telling me what to do. He's actually done it. It's a difference. Not saying that guys that didn't play can't coach. I'm just saying it's a different respect that that you may have for this guy. And until he does anything to discredit that, then he's going to always have that from his players. And hopefully he can bring the best out of his players and they can perform and improve the defensive ranks that they had last year and win some of those close games because all you need is one or two stops here or there, one or two big plays here or there. So a guy that was known for making plays Hopefully he can get some of those guys' confidence up to where they feel comfortable going and making some of those big plays in big time moments. And and Glover, that respect, right? It goes both ways, right? Um, you can respect your coaches and your coaches can respect you. And I think maybe Dan Campbell showed the ultimate form of respect for his players this week when he decided to walk in and say, Hey, you guys are running practice. Uh have you ever been around anything like that before? Um, as a player? <laughs> You know what? I I actually never, um, I actually never have had a coach say, "Hey, you guys are going to run practice." You know, I've had coaches ask input. Um, you know, how you guys are feeling. You know, you want to do this, you want to do that, but just to say that you're running practice, I've never, I've never had that happen. I don't even know how. <laughs> I don't even know how that that happens. But one thing I think you can get from that as a player, right? I remember being in a situation and I was in junior college, right? I was in junior college and we were doing off season workouts and we had mat room, something, you know, mat room was something that we called, um, a workout at like three 45, four o'clock in the morning, getting up, mm -hmm. going to the gym and you just doing drills and drills and drills conditioning is hard, but it's Juco, right? So you, you're trying to get, make guys tougher, stronger I miss juco right right and so we're conditioning we finished we're getting to the end and we have been running all morning and i remember the coach coach dom green he's actually a, a scout uh i think he's still a scout he was a scout for a long time in the nfl um calls me out gq you want another one and I'm standing there and literally I got the whole football team. Like we're all just tired. You know what I'm saying? But the coach just asked me, do I want to run another one? And, and you know, on, on one hand, you're sitting there like, no coach, I don't want to run another one. <laughs> and you know, you have 75, 80 players around you. Just like, nah, bro, we don't want another one. <laughs> but I think coaches do that to see 
how much are you willing to take? How much are you willing to, how far are you willing to push yourself to be great? And so in that moment, I had to make a decision and probably against 85 other players, I was like, yeah, coach, let's run another one. And, you know, the reception probably wasn't great, but at the end <laughs> of the day, what are we going to say when it's time to go to overtime? Coach, right. we don't want to play anymore. No, we got to go as long as we're supposed to go, we're going. So if you want to keep running, hey, we're going to keep running. And so sometimes when coaches give you, hey, you guys are going to run practice, he kind of want to see, are you guys going to take it easy on yourselves? Or are you guys going to really like yeah. say, hey, we got to go out here and put some work in. Like this ain't playing around. Coach letting us run practice. So we just going to lollygag and, and have fun and do whatever it is we're doing. No, he's trying to see, are you guys going to go out there and prepare like veterans, like mature athletes that understand the task at hand in this season that we're approaching? And that's that's a big test for a really, really young team, too. It's a, that's a really interesting way of putting it. Another one of uh, Dan Campbell's tactics that we saw in Hard Knocks this, this year, um, which I'm, I'm curious as to your opinion about, because training camp is such a I don't know, a, a, I know players don't particularly like it necessarily. It's a lot of work um, in, in a short amount of time. But one of his tactics that he used was first day of padded practice, live tackling right off the bat. And you saw at the end of practice, you know, he kind of laid into the players a little bit like you guys aren't trusting me. When, when you see something like that, are you like, I, I guess the question is here, like how delicate is that balance between pushing a team too hard right away like that? And and making sure that, like you said, like if if you're going into overtime in these early games, you, you need to be physically ready for it. Right. I mean, I, I think it's a it's a it's a very delicate balance. And I feel like that's one of those things where you got to have uh, trust that your coach has your best interest in mind. Yeah. Because if you feel like your coach is not looking out for you, it's not going to go over well. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times when you see stuff like that, you know, we understand that we have to get things going a certain direction right so a lot of times when coaches come out and do stuff like that a lot of times you're not going to see i mean i don't even I, and i can't remember but did you see deandre swift in any of those like highlights sure. of live tackling maybe a couple yeah i maybe, can't remember yeah, or, jamal yeah, i think, I think one running two, backs yeah. might have got a couple a yeah. lot of times you don't really see the stars aren't out there as much. They might get one right. rep just to say right. that they died, but they, a lot of times they want to see those young guys. Yeah. They want to see these guys. Can you tackle? Because at the end of the day, you know, even though they're young and, 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 you know, Tracy Walker, they, he's shown what he can do. He's shown that he can tackle. He's shown that he's not afraid. Yes. Do he need to continue working on it? Of course. But I know that Tracy's going to get his work in. He's going to understand. He's going to do it. He's going to put his body on the person. He's going to. So, yeah, I need you to work the technique. I need you to. But I don't necessarily need you to tackle him to the ground. Right. Right. And sometimes you have coaches that feel like, hey, in the games, you got to tackle him to the ground. So in practice, you should practice that. And, you know, that happens sometimes. But for me, I, I never done a, a tackling drill where it was live. My whole really? 10 years of practice that I can remember. That I could, I never done one tackling drill that was live, like tackling all the way to the ground. Yeah. Now you'd want to thud, you want to get to the point where you can put your chest on him and, and hit him. But I don't ever remember doing one where it was tackle all the way to the ground. Mm -hmm. Not saying that we didn't. So if any of my coaches, <laughs> you know, see this and say, oh no, GQ, we did. I don't remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to have more with former Lion Safety Glover Quinn right here on First Bite. Stick with us. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here in First Bite with former Lion Safety Glover Quinn. Uh, you, you talked a little bit about Tracy Walker there. He's the one I kind of want to tackle because, like you said, he's he's kind of the one guy still remaining from the regime when, when you were there. Um and, and, he, and he's mentioned you a lot of times in terms of his growth and, and how important you were. So from from 2018, Glo- or, uh, Tracy Walker, to 2022, Tracy Walker, what's the biggest difference? I mean, I, I you know, I haven't saw 2022 Tracy Walker yet, but I will say the more you play, the slower the game becomes, mm-hmm. right? You start to see things quicker. So when you see it quicker, your brain processes it and it slows the game down, right? Like, think about for us, we're not used to seeing 95-mile-per-hour baseballs. So if we stand in that box, it's going to come at us like a bullet, like, oh, my gosh, right? Those guys see it every single day. So to them, yeah, it's still 95, but it probably don't look 95. You know what I'm saying? It, right. it slows down for those guys. So it's the same way for us. When when you first get out there, the game is moving so fast because for one, you got to get over the point of feeling of I'm just in the NFL, right? Like, man, and this is the big stage. These man, that's Tom Brady over there, bro. Like, <laughs> man, like Tom Brady probably been in the league as long as some of these guys have been born. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they've grown up their whole entire life hearing of Tom Brady. And now that's Tom. <laughs> you got to get over that portion of it at yeah. first, right? So the game is just moving. It's a lot of pieces coming at you, special teams, offense, defense, you know, this position, this formation, this, like all these different things, right? And so the more you play, the game slows down and your talent can really, really, really start to come out, especially if you apply yourself to the game, you really work at it and you and you prepare. You know what I'm saying? Coach Wade used to always tell us, failure to prepare 
is preparing to fail. And so the longer you're in it, you learn how to prepare. You know what it takes to make it through a whole season, right? Because you've been through 17 games before, right? You know, okay, my body needs to feel this way. And so I've seen Tracy become better in that standpoint. Now, can he make plays? Yes. I want to see him make more plays. I want to see him not be okay with just making a tackle. Try to get the ball out. Try to, like, become, you know, there was a part in my career when I came into the league, I was known as a tackler. Wasn't a great cover guy. Wasn't this fast, speedy corner. But I was a physical guy. I was a tackler, right? And so you come in the league and you're trying to be who you are, right? I'm trying. They said I was a physical guy, so I'm going to be physical. I'm tackling everybody. I'm hitting old linemen, in and everything moving, right? And then you start to learn. Okay, well, I like the ball, right? Like, I want to do more than just tackle. I want the ball. And once I got to that point and I got the opportunity to to experience that, because early in my career, I didn't really have that opportunity. I didn't get put in those situations to, like, get the ball, right? right? Yeah, we're all on the field and we all have a chance. But there's different positions and different situations where you have more of a chance, right? Once I got to that point, I really became – a different player. Yeah, I could still tackle, but I was more concerned about getting the ball than making the tackle. So if I can punch the ball out, I'm going to get credit for the tackle and I'm going to have a forced fumble and I'm going to try to have a fumble recovery and the team's going to have a turnover. So my mentality switched. I wanted the ball. I didn't just want to make a tackle and say, oh yeah, I made a tackle. No, I wanted to be a game changer. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get the ball and give it back to Matt Stafford so then Calvin Johnson and Golden Tate, those guys can score touchdowns. And now I can be like, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, Trace, I want him to get to that point to where, yeah, I make tackles. I make a lot of tackles. But I want to come out of the season with seven, eight turnovers, you know, three or four interceptions, two or three forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, you know, three or four sacks. Like, I want to be a game changer on defense. Yeah, I think I think that's so – Interesting. You you framed it that way too, Glover, because I think a lot of people in, in football circles view turnovers as being something that is fluky. Like it can you can a defense can have a lot of turnovers one year and then they can have not so much the following year. But the way you're framing it makes it sound like a mentality thing. Right. Like it's not just the tackle isn't enough. It's, you know, to go get it's the ball. De- it's definitely a men- mentality, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to say because I got I got all these little stories, man, because I remember when J.J. Watt was a rookie, right? J.J. Watt was a rookie. We drafted him in Houston in 2011 and J.J. Watt came in and J.J. Watt used to put his hands up in practice and bat down six or seven balls of practice. Yeah. Right. Literally, like we're trying to practice as a defense. And in the secondary, it was hard for us to get work because J.J. was knocking <laughs> the balls down, right? But then we get in the games, and guess what? J.J.'s knocking the balls down. If you remember, his J.J.'s rookie year, we played Cincinnati in the playoffs. Uh, I think it was Andy Dalton tries to throw a screen pass out to, I think, his right side. J.J. Watt jumps up, picks it off, returns it for a touchdown, right? So the things that he was doing in practice translated into the games, Right. Trash that till I get to Detroit. We were making turnovers uh, mentality. Like, we were punching the ball out 
running backs, receivers, they're running. They had to get all the way back to the huddle with the ball. So they might be done ran for a touchdown, 40 yards. Guess what? Now they're running back to the, to the huddle. <laughs> Somebody's coming and punching the ball out. And next thing you know, yeah, you might have ran for a touchdown, but you still fumble, right? So that was just a mentality that we had. We were just hunting the ball over and over and over. And then, you know, ball go up in the air. We took pride in catching that ball. Get that ball. Like, don't let that ball drop on the ground. Every time a ball hits the ground, we're scooping it up in the backfield. Pass breakup, incomplete pass, it doesn't. It didn't matter. We're scooping that ball up. So then when you get in the game, your mentality is, I'm trying to get the ball. And you look at that year, 2014, I think we had tons of turnovers. I had a bunch mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Diggs, I mean, James Ahedebo had a bunch of them. Yeah. Rasheen Mathis, Slay, like DeAndre Levy. Like everybody, we're getting in on getting the football. And that's that's a mentality that you just build. Don't just happen on game day, though. Well, yeah. uh, another guy that the, the lines are hoping will be that defensive playmaker is Jeff Okuda. I'm, I'm curious if you've had any conversations with that young kid yet and, and maybe give him some encouragement given his, the start to his NFL career. Yeah, I've talked to Jeff a few times over, over the course of the, the over different years. Yeah. Um, you know, we've watched some film together, um, a lot of different things. You know, this year going to training camp was my first time actually meeting him in person. Everything mm-hmm. had been virtual or, you know, over the phone and things like that. So, I mean – Seeing the kid, he's a he's a he's a huge corner. You know what I'm saying? Like he mm-hmm. he has all of the physical aspects that you want to see in a corner. Um, but that is not everything that it takes to play corner. Right. There's a lot of guys that can run, that can jump, that that you gotta have the mental capacity, you gotta have the confidence, you gotta have the the mental feeling of I can cover these guys, I can make these plays, I can do these things. And the situation that he came into, I wouldn't say it was the greatest situation for him as a rookie, right? Yeah. Him being probably the veteran corner in the league. Yeah, I know they had Desmond Trufant that came in one year, but Slay was gone. All those veteran guys were gone. And so him being in that system with those coaches and the guys and that culture that he came into, can't say it was the best for him if as far as the development goes and then obviously dealing with the injury last year. And so now you look at his, this guy, he's going into the, what's the third year of his career yeah. and people are already writing him off. You know what I'm saying? And they're, they're not understanding the situation that he came into for one. Then you, you change coaches. Now you get a new coach and then boom, you get hurt the first game. Now you're out for the season and now he got a whole heap of pressure on him because they took him so high in the draft and they wanted to know, is it was he worth it? And so I feel bad for him because he has that much pressure on him and he's still trying to learn. And, I mean, when you look at the, at the DB room, who's the veteran corner that he's, that, he's, that he's had to be able to learn the game from? He hasn't had that. You mm-hmm. know, like I said, True Funk was there, but I don't feel like True Funk was there in a veteran leadership role. He was there on a one-year kind of deal. He's right. trying to get his money and whatever, right? So who has Jeff had to learn the game, from, to learn how to be a pro from, from a corner? He hasn't had that. And so it's going to take some time to develop these guys. And like I say, 
you going from one system. Now you're in a totally different system. And then you got hurt last year. You didn't even get a chance to. So it's, it's, it's tough. So hopefully he can, uh, he can, you know, stay strong mentally and, and bounce back and, and play with the confidence and swagger that we saw when he was at Ohio state. We obviously seen that there was a immense talent right there. They took him so high in the drought. And so hopefully that stuff can come back out and he can regain that form and, and be the player that, you know, he was expected to be. Yeah. It's a lot like, you know, Darius Slay having Rasheed Mathis, um, you know, having that veteran quarter presence is, is huge. So um, I, Interesting enough, you know, you, you bring up the expectations and and all that comes with it being, you know, third overall pick as, as Jeff Okuda was. Uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with uh, Kirby Joseph, uh, the Lions third round pick out of Illinois, but you also being a, you know, mid round pick yourself. Like, what are those kind of expectations that you have for yourself and that maybe the coaching staff has for you where it's not, all right, you're going to start from day one because you were the third overall pick, like, where do you think Kirby is at and and um how how do you how do you view him as a prospect? Well, I mean, I, I would I would say this because you know, I haven't seen enough of him to know. You sure. know what I'm saying? I, I just haven't. And like I said, when you come in as a rookie, things are happening so fast and there's a lot of stuff going on. So I, I don't really put a lot of stock into all of that because you, they gotta learn the game. Yeah. Um, but I will say I'll be willing. And I don't know this for sure, so this is not facts. But this is just, I would be willing to say the chances of having a great career, I would probably say draft me in the third, fourth, or fifth round. Because you're still a good football player, right? And when you get drafted third, fourth, or fifth round, you probably feel like you could have went a little higher, right? So now you got a chip on your shoulder, right? But then now guess what? He was a third, fourth, or fifth rounder. So the expectations aren't super high, right? So if you're not a blazer your first year, it's okay. You was a fourth rounder. We just need you to contribute on special teams and be a little, you know, be a little come in, sub guy, right? So you have time to develop and learn, especially if you get in a good system, right? And the next thing you know, those kids learn it. They get it. They get more reps. They got that chip on their shoulder. They want it. They want it. And then all of a sudden, they have a breakout year, right? And now, they're the star. They get paid. They don't have fifth-year options in their contracts, right? They, 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 you know, have a role their first year. They play good their second year. They break out their third year. Now they're getting extensions. So now they get money, and they feel good. They go out, and they play more and more and more. And that chip never leaves off their shoulder because they still remember all the guys that got drafted in front of them, mm-hmm. all the teams that like they hit. And next thing you know, those guys go on and have great careers. We didn't say who makes the most money. We said have great careers because you can be a first rounder and make a lot of money and then, you know, get a second contract and make more money because you was, you know what I'm saying? Right. But when you look at the career Third, fourth, and fifth rounders, those those guys, if you can come out of that and and play eight, nine, ten years, you you probably had a really good career and played at a high level. Um, so expectations in this league, man, you know, we get they they draft these kids 
And they want them to be superstars from the very beginning. And just because they're talented don't mean they're going to be a superstar. They still have to learn the game. And everybody's learning curve is different. Everybody's. So we just got to be patient. We 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 can't just assume that Jamison Williams is going to come in and be Calvin Johnson as soon as we let him go. Like, he's not. You know what I'm saying? He's going to be a kid that missed OTAs. He missed training camp. He missed the preseason. So if he gets to come back and play this year, he's going to be thrust in right in the middle of a season. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to be any earlier than week six. Right. Because he, he don't even come off the, the, the list to yeah. at least week four. Right. Then they're going to probably make him practice at least two to three weeks before right. you throw him out there as a eight off of ACL. So he's going to be coming out there with guys that's been, you know, they've been out there for eight weeks. And now you're going to be fresh out there. You didn't go through OTAs, didn't go through preseason, you didn't go through these joint practices, none of that stuff. We can't expect him. Not saying that he can't do it, but as a expectations, you can't expect him to come out there and be grand. Yeah, right. You right. Know, if he is, great. But you can't expect that. Right. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like you're speaking from experience as a guy who who did that exact same thing that you just laid out so i mean i did i did <laughs> I, I was you know i did i was a fourth rounder and i came in and you know did i feel like i could have won the third round of course you know what i'm saying like i said everybody feels like they can go higher right oh, right yeah. did i feel like i was better than some of the guys that got drafted before me of course but i also understood the system and how things work, right? I mean, I played at the University of New Mexico, which is a great school. Everybody check out the Lobos. Um, <laughs> but there's other guys that played at Ohio State, like Malcolm Jenkins. He played at Ohio State. Vontae Davis, he played at Illinois when he was coming out. You know, you had Darius Butler, he played at UConn. And you had Patrick Chung that played at Oregon. And, like, you had these guys that played at bigger schools. And so I understood that. Were they better than me? I don't know, but they're going to get perceived that way because they played at a better school, right? So, I, you know, I had a chip on my shoulder, but I, I understood the game for what it was. But I knew now that we're all in the same place, right? So that's the biggest thing that I used to say in the locker room. I don't care if you went to Alabama. I don't care if you went to Jackson State. We're all in the same room now, boss. I love so it. If you, that, if you that legit, then be that legit. But right now, I'm this kid from New Mexico. <laughs> I love, I love that you still remember everyone. You like, like we saw Amon Rod, you know, run through all the guys in the draft before. You, you still remember? You still remember all these years later? Oh yeah. Um, we're we're gonna close the thing out with uh, a little rapid fire questions at the end here. Uh, you don't have to go in, go into long answers here, but they're just kind of fun little questions. So okay. let's start with best place to eat in Detroit. Shields Pizza. Oh wow! No hesitation there. None. <laughs> I love that. Um, and, about... and, and Bellachinos. I like Bellachinos. There you go. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Lions teammate you talk the most with today? Uh, Darius Slay and Quandre Diggs. Figured that might be the answer. Um, what's the favorite interception of your career? Um, either Drew Brees 2014 or Matt Ryan 2017. God, those were the, my two answers for you too. Love it. <laughs> uh, thing you miss most about life in the NFL? Uh, the games, playing the games. And, you know, well, you know what I will say? Um, the locker room is fun. Yeah. Being in the locker room around the guys, talking with the guys, you miss that part of it as well. What about the thing you don't miss about the NFL? 
Uh, <laughs> weighing in every week. <laughs> Love it. I don't miss that at all. All right. Well, that's Glover Quinn. Uh, let me let me give you a, a chance to to plug your your podcast or anything else that you want to plug uh, before we let you go here. Oh yeah, man. Check us out on the Believe Network. Uh, me and my awesome co-host Jack Cavanaugh. Um, we're doing a great job of covering the lines and, you know, it's been fun. So check us out. Check out all these podcasts. People put a lot of time in to bring you as much information as they can about the Detroit Lions or whatever it is you listen to, whatever team, NFL, whatever it is. So um, check them out, support, you know, it's a good thing. And that's B-L-E-A-V as in Believe in Lions podcast. Glover, yes. awesome Dot job here man it's it's always great catching up with you i appreciate your time and uh I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you maybe more out there in allen park these days oh yeah man looking <laughs> forward to it all right thank you all for listening we will be back soon recapping the uh the, the final preseason game on sunday night but until then thank you for joining us it's chaos be kind <laughs> <laughs>